and welcome back to another episode of Free the Geek with me, Matthew Setter, your host. Now, like last week's episode, this week's episode is also a little bit of um, out of sync, as it were. According to my file system records here, I actually either recorded this episode back on the 15th of February 2018, or that was the last time I edited it. Um, so again, and this will be the last time I do this, this is also, or this is also my apology to my wonderful guest from this episode, my good mate, Andreas Heigl. Uh, again, I think this was right at the end of the previous run of the podcast, and I think there really is nothing to really say that, you know, when you ask somebody at the time... And they're generous to give it to you, and then and then you don't publish the you know that generosity. So, hand on heart, I, I I apologize here as well. But that said, that does not diminish the value that you're going to get out of this episode. We talk about so many things in this episode, such as public speaking being a matter of practice and wanting to communicate and impart something to others. That enthusiasm makes communicating and speaking lively and interesting and a fun topic that I've, I've taken on over the years that being documentation driven development the other ddd anyway without any further ado here is the fireside chat the much awaited fireside chat with my good friend andreas heigl i'm sure you're gonna love it i'm sure that you'll get so much out of it and cue the intro music If you want to learn the essentials of developing and deploying applications with Docker Compose, especially if you've been struggling to figure out what you need to know while Googling, searching Stack Overflow, and various other forums, then you'll love Deploy with Docker Compose. It's a free book and course that teaches you the essentials of building images and deployment configurations, tagging images, and pushing them to remote container registries, how to debug applications running inside containers, how to debug containers when they don't work as expected, and how to deploy your application to a production environment or any other environment using Docker Compose. Now, it doesn't cover every possible Docker command, nor does it go absolutely super duper deep in depth about anything that you could know. It just covers the essentials that you need to know so that you can deploy your first application with confidence. And you also get a host of supporting information, tips, tricks, and pointers to help you out when you get stuck. Check it out today at deploywithdockercompose.com. Would you mind sharing how the uh, was it PHP? Is it FFGM, right? Uh, PHP UGFFM. UGFFM. Okay. Yeah. And Fra- was it Frankfurt? That's Frankfurt. Yeah. But 
but was it FFMM? Yeah, FFM. It's uh, Frankfurt Mine. Oh, right. It's it's, it's the the short code for the Frankfurt uh, railway station. Okay. <laughs> because you know that that comes from a time where. Um, the airport, well, it existed and it was pretty big at that time. But mm-hmm. uh, when the user group was created, it was much more like, yeah, well, uh, there is this new internet and there are not so many people coming by plane. Most of them came by train. So, yeah, it stuck somehow. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. And so you were the original founder or you took over the group from someone else? No, no, no. I, I took over. I took over from uh, Darren Cooper. Ah, yes, I remember Darren. Yeah, uh, and, and he started the user group oh, way back in, no one actually knows when. Mm-hmm. Um, we found first, um, the, the first occurrence of the, the PHP UG FFM website on uh, the, the Wayback Machine is from... I think 2001. Okay. And um, the website that's archived there says that, um, or let's be guess that the user group has at least been in existence for a year before that mm-hmm. because they had their, their planned schedule. It's like, oh, I, we are here and there as usual. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty amazing. Okay. So what was what was it like to, to take over an existing user group oh um well uh been thrown into the cold water as we say in germany mm-hmm. uh it was like darren did a whole bunch of stuff and, and he was pretty organized and all that stuff and, and at one point he said um i can't do that anymore because he did he did so much different events and stuff like that mm-hmm. and um so he just asked, would you mind uh, helping me in organizing the user group? And I said, yeah, well, of course, why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been regular at that point for a few, well, a few months, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were working together at that point. And, well, then he helped me or I helped him. And the next user group, he helped me. And then he said, okay, fine, you can do that on your own. <laughs> I was like, oh, wh- wh- wait a minute, w- wait a minute. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. Well, f- from there it it started. Then again, mm-hmm. um, I think the first I remember the first user group meeting we had with me as as the lone organizer, um, because the, the the other co-organizer uh, Christian um, Niederbock, uh he wasn't able to attend at that point, and so I was sitting there on my own, um, and the venue messed up our appointment. And uh, so they overbooked the room. So we were sitting in the bar, and uh, it was myself and three other people. Okay. Uh, we had a small presentation. Um, as we were just four people, that was pretty okay because we were sitting on a table and just had a laptop on the table and um, had the presentation on the laptop. And it was cool. It was like, I don't know, three quarter of an hour presentation. And. Um, though I don't remember the topic anymore. And, well, we had a good chat afterwards and had a beer or two. Mm-hmm. Well, that was great. And from that point on, um, the user group started to grow again. Mm. 
like the next meeting we didn't go to that venue we had a, we had a different venue and uh, from then on we started to move around companies that do php mm-hmm. which was very easy for us because it was just like uh, oh, would you mind having us for a night and perhaps provide a few beers or something to eat and uh, you can tap into all the knowledge that we are proud to share mm-hmm. so all your developers can join as well for free and that was pretty cool okay so uh, that reminds me of how Raphael uh, said he, he does the the user group in is it Amsterdam I think it's yeah, Amsterdam yeah that's Amsterdam that way of that mutual sort of benefit and a more natural fit that you know companies are, are usually always looking for developers who can who have the skill sets that they need and then developers yeah. are usually you know looking for work that fits what they know yeah did you yeah. find that it, it had that that nice natural fit as opposed to hi and now we'd like to thank our sponsors big plug don't hate them you know the usual thing that happens that highly depends on the company actually um okay. we, we have a lot of companies where that is a, actually a natural fit they um it's cool to be there and, and their developers come or some don't come. And um, it's, it's like like a really good fit. And um, because there, there is not this, this sales pitchy thing within the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, they, they get a bit of time um, to, well, just tell us what they do. Uh, but we do a short introduction around uh, on every meetup. So all the new ones get to know each other. And we get to know the new ones, and the new ones get to know the the regulars. Mm-hmm. And um, so during that introduction round, usually someone from the company that is there says, "Oh yeah, we are here, and uh, it's cool, and uh, we're here together with four people or whatever." Um, so that comes pretty good. And there are some companies where they they stretch that time a bit and that gets a bit more sales pitchy like oh we would like to have you here and uh, we're a great company and mm-hmm. but right. at the moment that works out quite okay okay so most people now know okay when we're at that company we we have to endure the sales pitch and then everything will go on fine do they That's usually okay. is is there like a um a corresponding ratio of if they if they stretch out the sales pitch they give better or more food <laughs> Um, or more beers? <laughs> well, yeah, probably. Actually, now that you talk <laughs> about that, yeah, um, no, they are very, they are very keen, and um, at the moment, the the market is just empty, so they they are really all trying to get new people in there, mm. and um, so of course, if you if you want to hire new people, and if you actually want to do this sales pitchy thing, you have to provide something, mm. and. Um, I don't know whether that's that's the the relationship or whether it's just the uh, a very uh, engaged person in the company that uh, organizes everything. That might, might actually also be. Oh no 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 no! Think about it. We had a we had an awesome uh, evening a few weeks or a few months back uh, when we did our um, uh, what was the PHP Test Fest uh, edition of the user group. Um, and that was pretty awesome. I, I was feeling a bit awkward at that time, actually, okay. uh, because I was standing in front of the of, of uh, all the people and um, was was telling them how to write uh, unit tests for PHP or how to write tests for PHP itself. Mm-hmm. And um, they were having popcorn. It was like, um, am I at the cinema? <laughs> <laughs> but they had pretty decent 
food there as well. I was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, on on you mentioned there that uh, a little bit back that turnout or something can can sort of be a bit lower. Some developers will come along and some won't, and so forth. D- do you find that? Um, I guess I'm just forming this as I think about it. That some developers just f- are, are less social, or they don't see the point in the user group, or I guess what do you think might be the reason why more developers don't um, engage in user groups? That's the thing I was thinking of for a long time, or I'm still thinking of, and, and or about, and some other people as well in the, the um, PHP community, but. It's perfectly normal uh, and perfectly okay also to be a developer that works from nine to five. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Matthew uh, Wire Finney um, did a pretty great post on uh, 24 Days in December just a few weeks back uh, where he just described why it's so great to just do nine to five business uh, and development. And uh, those people, well, they do their day job. And they do that pretty awesomely good. Mm. Um, and after that, well, it's, it's their family time. And so they, they just prioritize in a different way, which is okay, which is fine. Um, as long as you still um, continue to learn all the things that are necessary. Uh, but when you're employed in a company, you, you probably don't need to be on, on top of everything. So you don't need to know all the, the top-notch things that are just uh, hip at the moment. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. And, um, well, some just don't actually see the point in socializing. Some are, just aren't social people. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah they they just sense. Don't, don't like that, being there and, and meeting new people and having to, to interact with them. And because, they're, well, they're also knowledgeable and, and what can I tell them or what, I don't know. I know nothing about all the things they they know everything about, um, and so that might actually bring them to a to a way of thinking where they say, "Oh no, it's not my thing." Yeah. Or they just have something different to do, or it's just I had a hard day at work and I just don't want to get out again. And yeah, well, it happens. Yeah, I guess I guess that makes sense because I, I don't. It, it wasn't Matthew's post that I read, but I read one. Or maybe I read a couple over the last twelve months, <laughs> and it was this real sense of um, th- th- there was so much momentum with this idea that you know you you go to work whether you're freelance, uh, consultant, full time employed, part time, you know whatever whatever capacity you're in, and you do this stuff there, and then you come home and you and you do it there too, and then you have side projects and and on and on the list goes, and then somehow are in somehow or other in there if I could get the words out properly um, you fit in like sleeping and stuff and all that hi Marco um, you know some yeah. people are able to do that I guess and it, and, I, and I think it was seen as that was just air quotes how it is Yeah, that's just what you do and I, I think I was talking to my cousin I, I guess I'd sort of accepted that sort of uh, mindset and I was talking to my cousin, who is uh, like a generation older than I am, and is not a developer at all, and said, "I don't get it." Like you know, he said, "I have this person who works for me, and he and he writes good stuff. It all works, and 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 I can't fault him for that." He said he does that all day long, and then he goes home and he does it all night long, and then he comes back and he does it again. 
And he yeah. said, I just don't get it. And I think it was around that time that, um, I, you know, you just sort of, ex- or not accept things, but you maybe just never question them. It's just you'd, heard, you'd always heard it and never thought to say, wait a second, uh, yeah. maybe not. And then there was, the, I started to see sort of posts that said, well, what's wrong with just saying, I, I you know, I, I give my, my best when I'm asked to write it. You know, I'm not staring out the window, um, dreaming of my next holiday, but yeah. that's my thing. And then I'm, I'm done. I'm, I may come along to a user group occasionally, but yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's okay. That's perfectly fine. Everyone has their own way of life. And mm. um, I, for myself, I, I have the, well, I have a problem actually um, that I have made my hobby, my profession. And mm. uh, well, actually drawing the boundaries between this is hobby and this is uh, my my work life is well almost impossible mm-hmm. and um there are a lot of people or i know a lot of people that are like that um they 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 actually they they just they rather live for their for their profession not for their job but for their profession for for writing or developing stuff mm-hmm. and um that's awesome Knowing such people is pretty cool, but not everyone is like that. And I'd say almost, well, most of the people just aren't like that. They they have their work mm-hmm. and they have their life. And well, yeah, getting the right balance is, is very important for that. Um, so, uh, well, work-life balance, yeah, of course. But if, if your life actually includes what you do in your work, mm finding the right work-life balance, well, yeah, it just doesn't fit because I guess, work yeah. is life. Well, the thing is, it's sort of what is that? But I like how you said there, you made that distinction between, you know, you're not living for your work, you're living for that profession. Or yeah. what would you say, like the, like the craftsperson who, the image that always comes to mind is someone who's like a woodworker or a chef or uh, like a cake maker. You know, it's it's, it's not a... I, I check in, do it, check out. It's you, you see, like you know, the eyes come alive and and they get into it, and and it's just time disappears. Yeah, of course. Whereas other people are sort of okay. Well, that's me for the day. Goodbye now, and it, you yeah. can just disconnect so so easily. Yes, um, I mean, if, if if you're a woodworker or a chef, um, disconnecting is pretty easy because you just go out of your. Uh, out of your kitchen or out of the, the, the uh, your workplace and you don't have the toolage anymore so yeah well you don't do anything more in that kind of thing but um, if, if you're a, um, a chef that, that actually lives for that even though you don't have a knife or, or, a, or a stove or whatever mm. you're still thinking about what could I do with these things or uh, oh look there is uh, something in the in the supermarket, what would be what would I be able to do with that? And yeah, so so you can't really switch that off. I I listen if you your, live for that. Yeah, I I take your point. I, I listened to a, a podcast yesterday, and it was the lead singer of a of a band that I was I was a huge fan of from from Brisbane back home called Powderfinger, and he said he on his solo album uh, after the you know the the band split he. Uh, he would he wrote a number of of songs and and one of them was effectively like a, like a love a love song for his wife but not like a I've always dreamed of you that kind of thing more of a like a 
a dedication. Thank you for supporting me through all these years. And the interviewer sort of dove into that point when he says that. And she said, why is that? She said, well, she said, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a classical sort of artist, singer, songwriter. And he said, many a time would my wife have spoken to me and I do the right nodding gestures and uh-huh, uh-huh. He said, I haven't heard a word she said because I'm thinking about this song. And she, he said, I, th- I think most of the time she kind of knew he's not really hearing a word I'm saying, but he's doing the, the gestures and but he said yeah because he just he had this song in his head and he was like da 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 and then he'd ask her later going you know what you said earlier yeah can you yeah. can you say that again and i will try to listen this time so i get what you mean you know you or as you say you know you, you've cooked something and you see something you go, oh i've never seen that before i wonder if that would taste good with this and this and yeah but i guess it's that much harder perhaps because i guess you could tap on on a, a smartphone. Uh, maybe it's, it's it's much easier, or the barrier to to keep going is a lot lower, perhaps with software development. Yeah, probably. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I mean, a smartphone is is everywhere, and uh, you just can can uh, look up something on the internet. Oh, how does that work? And uh, oh, uh, well, what was the the, the exact uh, way of uh, invoking this method? And uh, everything is just reachable. Yeah. I, and, I, yeah, I, and absolutely no, no problem. I absolutely know that uh, my wife also talks with me a lot of times, where I'm just nodding and saying, "Oh yeah, yeah." I'm so just solving some software issues at that time, <laughs> so I don't get anything what she says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> it's a fun thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, think, yeah. Depends. Sometimes not so fun. <laughs> yeah. True. True. I, I should say sometimes that that. Fun is a little facetiously intended, yeah. but um, on the point of user groups, kind of to, to cycle or circle yeah. back around to that. Yeah, sure. Um, and and giving conference, uh, giving conference, giving talks. Is there? This is more of kind of like the hashtag asking for a fa- for a friend, really, for myself. Do you <laughs> go f- ahead? Do you feel it? You know, like everybody has like a sense of of a journey. Like like no one starts out really good. But with enough practice, you get better, or do you feel that some people have a, a a greater affinity for for sort of communicating in in that way? I'm pretty sure there are people that are pretty good in standing in front of a crowd and talking, mm-hmm. and other people just aren't that good. Um, it's it's just a way I think. It's just a way of, of personality um, that some people are just more like, hey, hey, here I am and I have something to tell you. And no matter what it is, it's just interesting. And uh, others are just like, oh, no, I don't want to stand in front of those people and want to tell them. Um, but either way, I think um, the more you practice, the better you get, as with everything. Um, because I mean, standing in front of a crowd and telling something is does not actually mean they they learn something, and that's that's what it, uh, all the, the speaking thing is about. I mean, it's not about saying some words that sound interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about telling others so they can actually learn something. At least that's how I would see that. And oh, yeah. uh, that that's definitely a thing of practice. Okay, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um. You know, like, I, yeah, sorry. 
what easier way to practice than going to use a group and telling all the people there because it's, it's usually a small crowd and you know most of them so they are very forgiving if you make mistakes and they, they, they don't have a problem telling you oh I would change, probably change this and do this a little bit different which makes it much easier to, to um, appreciate the feedback and learn something from it okay I, I, yeah I guess that, that, that makes a lot of sense I mean I'm not you know the, the world's best speaker um <laughs> But it, it's it's been interesting. I, I like what you said about some people just are just excited to share something. I mean, that reminds me of of Sammy K. Powers. Just this oh, eff yeah. <laughs> effervescent enthusiasm for at least for myself. I sort of couldn't help being just sort of pulled along by it because there's there's the big smile and the big eyes and the, and the voice is so energetic and it's just like I really have never even looked at that before. But okay, yeah. Yeah, Sammy is Sammy is awesome. It's he's one of these people that just burn for what they are telling you. Mm. It's it's like an inner fire, and they just have to tell everyone how awesome this is, or what what problems he actually had with that thing, and how he solved it. But he he actually lives for that, and and you you feel that energy, and that's the main thing. Um, th there are other people, uh, other speakers that actually also have this energy. Um, where you just feel like, oh, that's awesome, and I want to listen again to that, to, 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 to him talk about whatever. I don't care what he talks or she talks about. I just want to listen to it. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's something about, I think, the, the, the two bits. There's the there's the enthusiasm that they, they really want to um, communicate something with you, but, yeah. but not not sort of ram it down your throat. It's, it's just, I just really want to get this out. And yeah. and also, I guess from that sense of, of of enthusiasm, it can sort of come across so well, even if the subject itself is quite dry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that that that's the thing. Even if it's a completely dry subject, they they manage to to make it lively and and interestingly, and you suddenly think for yourself, oh, that actually could be fun doing that. Hmm. Do you have any sort of tips for you know that that proverbial moment as, as uh, I guess more in when you're getting used to just speaking in front of a crowd of any size, and perhaps you know, you're looking at the crowd and you just lose your place or you kind of lose your train of thought, and you just sort of okay I don't remember where I was and everybody's staring at me now what do I do Do you have like any sort of tips for maybe you know sort of calming yourself collecting your thoughts and and continuing, or if it's easier, things not to do in that moment. I actually have no idea. I only had that once uh, in, in my speaking career so far, and I completely fucked up that moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I think, uh, from, from what I've encountered so far, most of the of the audience are well. They are they're pretty pretty awesome, and they they don't want you suffer from standing there in front of them and telling you something. Um, so I, I imagine just standing there and just admitting what happened. Oh, damn, I've lost my point. Uh, just let me have a look. What did I tell? What, what did I talk about before? And nothing will happen. I mean, okay. what, what might be the worst thing that happens? No one is going to leave the room because of that. Well, if, if you don't get your point within a few seconds, then probably that might happen, but that usually doesn't happen. Yeah, that's and, a fair but, point. But, just just calming yourself down and just admitting, oh well, I'm I'm stuck at that moment. Where, where was I? Uh, and then you usually get your view pace okay. again. All right, so maybe I could, I could I could have a shtick, which is like you know the the eccentric old professor, 
And I could just yeah. scratch my head and... and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. But I, I have to admit, uh, the, the main point is, well, that's a good, great advice, but when you're stuck in that situation, will you remember that advice mm. or anyone else's advice? That, that's the main thing, I think. Yeah, very true. Uh, I remember I, in in with the aim of trying to get better at, at communicating generally and doing speaking more specifically... I've been spending time at Toastmasters over the last oh, oh, great. two years. Yeah, great. And this thought occurred to me at one point that for some reason, right, that some things in, in life, there's this constant series of um, reinforcements that you will eventually get better at this. Everybody starts off a little bit awkward because no one's born with this skill innately. But, yeah. you know, in time, you know, it'll just happen because we all did it too. And then there's other skills that are the complete inverse. Oh, you know, no matter how much you've been doing it for, no matter how many people you talk to, no matter how, how old or young they are, there's always this, oh, I struggle by, oh, yeah, I, I, I've never quite gotten used to it. I just cope with it. And, f for example, the first one would be like driving a car. When I grew up, it was, you know, having a license was this rite of passage. You were, you know, you had arrived. And it's, yeah, it's really hard at first when you're coming up to an intersection as a, as a new driver to yeah. remember to slow down, look you know, across all the oncoming traffic, put an indicator on, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But in time, it'll just be magic. But public speaking, I've spoken to people who are, I think, easy 60 years old. And a rough kind of guesstimate would be maybe about 80% of those people would all... The, the, the whole composure of their face changes is just, oh, yeah, well, um, and oh, I struggle by, I get cold sweats. But it's funny, they're just two skills. Yeah, well, it's, I know that from, from I did a lot of, of theater stuff uh, in my youth, and um, it was always like just the, the, the few minutes before you had to go on out of the out on stage and do your stuff there it was like oh cold sweat and i don't want to be here and how, how the hell did i think i could manage that and it's i think every actor has that hmm. or almost every actor has has this this stage fright and um for me it's the same with, with speaking um and I think everyone has that in a certain amount of, of things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, just get over it. Just get out there and do your thing. Fair enough. Because it's, it's funny, right? Like sitting here, it's just me and you and, and I yeah. have no qualms, you know, talking about whatever. But the second I look, in, you know, I look at a couple of people, it's just, it's this weird sense of... Uh, yeah, maybe I should be somewhere else now. Um, I'll look at the time. Got to go. No, 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 no. It's, it's weird. It's, you're at the right place at that point. <laughs> very true. Very true. And you have been very encouraging, I must say. Oh, thanks. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> happy to give credit where it's due. Okay. Maybe I'll sort of I'll, I'll plumb that idea further. Yeah, you should. You definitely should. Mm. Okay. Then I've got to think of more speaking topics because I've done so much... Um, um, documentation and technical writing over the last two odd years that I actually want to do more code, but it's sort of, uh, I'm gradually well, do doing it. Well, actually, but uh, having someone talk about documentation 
is awesome because documentation is what developers are so bad at. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in, in my opinion, developers shouldn't write or coders shouldn't write documentation. No. Um, because, well, they are pretty good at, at making API documentation, like, oh, yeah, this function uh, expects this parameters and you get this out. Um, but in, in actually describing in, in decent words what the whole functionality is, is usually so bad um, because you're far too deep into it. So you know exactly what this method does and, and what this function does and so stuff like that. And um, But someone that doesn't have that deep knowledge usually gets not really an idea of, of the, the, the documentation. People then start to write like, oh, yeah, this gives you back um, a list of whatnots. Mm-hmm. What kind of a list? What, what is a whatnot and what can I do with it? And, and so I'm pretty sure that people shouldn't write or that coders shouldn't write documentation for the code they've written. Or at okay. least not after they've written it. Okay, what, like like give it uh, some period of time for it to sort of gestate and, and yeah. to sink in and then? Probably. Or actually write the documentation before. Like, um, okay, this, doc- this method should do this or will do this and this and this, and um, now I'm going to implement it. Documentation-driven exactly. development. Something like that, yes, probably. <laughs> That's interesting. I, 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 that's the second time that's come up because Code Rabbi shared this. I, I think he retweeted uh, a tweet in the last week. And, and he's, because I saw the term and it was, yeah, it was documentation driven development. I said, can I, can I borrow that for a talk or something? And he said, oh, yeah. fine by me because I just borrowed it from someone else. <laughs> but yeah, I thought, I think- yeah. I think that is, is actually a good thing. Um, I, I'm doing that usually when I when I create some minor thingy, a library or whatever. Um, I usually start with writing the readme and writing how to use the thing I'm going to hmm. write. Like cool. I want I want to do this, or I want you to do this, 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 and this, so you get something out of it. That's, so yeah. so I, I, I've written down the the API hmm. before I actually started to do anything. Usually, I have to change that and adapt that after I've written it. Hmm. But that's for me. That's a pretty good good idea. And I, everyone else who um, wants to use the library should get a fairly easy picture of how to use it and what you get back from that. Hmm. Well, that's actually so, really cool. Because because uh, I've been kind of wondering. Like it, it, uh, I've. I got onto TDD, right? But then DDD made the the more official DDD as opposed to my recent, um, uh, what would you call it, reappropriation. But because that made more sense, because you know, you as you say, you would you would more describe say in a feature file. But I never considered taking it sort of quite that far. So you kind of think of it right from what would a user see, like that that first readme, like this is what it will do, and this is how I use it. I never thought of that. But that's really yeah. interesting from a documentation perspective. I mean, that, that works pretty good if you have a very limited library mm. or a, a library with a limited functionality, like this this Linuxy kind of uh, way of thinking of uh, we just do one thing, but we do that pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have a library that does just one thing, and then you can say, yeah, of course, invoke it like this, this, and this, and uh, oh, you want to set three options like this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And then I found for myself that works pretty well. 
And usually when I have to use the library in two, after two years again, I get a pretty good picture of, oh, yeah, that was what I was thinking of doing at that point in time. Huh. No, I really, something about that, I'm just really attached onto that right now. <laughs> Go um, ahead. Okay. Cause, make, make a talk of it. Well, I've, <laughs> I've got one, and I, and I kind of kept the... I, I kept it on the proverbial back burner. Um, it was at down here uh, in in Nuremberg and and Erlangen and, and the surrounding area every year. I think it's in April. I'm not totally sure, but somewhere around there. Um, there's the the Nuremberg Web Week. Oh yeah, yeah. And I was asked by a, a friend and and an acquaintance to to give a talk, and I picked um, was it documentation as code. Oh yeah, great. And I think it was the second time I'd given the talk, and and the talk was just it was much kind of like a bit broader, more more abstract idea of a way of trying to motivate developers to to do or be more involved in documentation and to see it less as a or give them more reasons as to why it's a, it's a good thing. It's yeah, yes, it's extra work, but here are the the benefits, and here's how to you know kind of to get started. Yeah, and I kind of kept thinking about like re-recording that that talk, say into a, like maybe like a podcast or or a video. But I always sort of thought, well, I wanted to get more back more into into code, and and you know, it's, it's that question of time and and priorities and stuff. But the more I, it, it seems to pop up into conversation more and more, and and people are quite encouraging for it. So. I don't know. I think yeah. I kind of see if I can grab some time early in the new year to, to actually do that. Yeah, you should definitely. Huh. I was I was thinking of doing a talk on that a few years back, I think, mm-hmm. and um, uh, because I there was a th- the, the same thing I thought. Um, I often I have to use libraries from from other people, and it's like I never get how to use them unless mm-hmm. I dig into the code very deeply. Um, which is rather frustrating because I don't want to dig into the code. I just want to use the library, but I can't because the documentation is bad. And um, so from from an open source kind of point of view, um, documentation is almost everything. All the the great um, frameworks around in the PHP world, they they have an awesome documentation, like the the documentation of Doctrine or of of, um, Symfony or Laravel, they have an awesome documentation. That's the main thing. That that's one of the driving forces for these frameworks, or libraries, or whatever it is. Mm. And um, usually, the the libraries and frameworks that don't have good documentation are not used as often as they could be. They they might be awesome. They might be really brilliant. But well, when I have to dig deep into the code, I, I no, I don't want to do that. I just want to use a to use it mm, yeah, yeah. if i if i can't figure out how to use it well then uh is there something else that does the same thing <laughs> and, and some off yeah yeah no it's, it makes a lot of sense i i work with someone i'll, I'll say someone I, I know who he is but i'm not sure if you know he wants me to mention him on on the show uh, no. <laughs> some years ago and a, a lovely laid-back aussie bloke and this one time he got so wound up because the documentation was there, but it was wrong. Oh, that's good. And 
And I said, oh, it's not so bad. And he, he almost slammed the desk. He says, no, they're lying. They're lying. I said, they're not lying. He said, yes, they are. They may as well be lying. And I just sort of rolled back in my chair a little just to give him <laughs> some space. Yeah, but I mean, he's right. I'd rather appreciate no documentation than wrong documentation because nothing is more frustrating than just writing some code as it's in the documentation and it takes you two or three hours just to figure out that the damn documentation was wrong and it never was supposed to work that way. Or it was outdated. Or it was outdated because it was for, for a different version of the library or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so stating um, the, the version um, that is supposed to work with is one of the major things. Um, I mean, it's one of the things I, I uh, found out uh, on the internet also uh, is... Um, there is nothing worse than a, a blog post that doesn't have a date when it's written on it. Mm. Uh, because you find an awesome blog post and it describes something and if the layout looks pretty cool and pretty decent, but, uh, well, after you dig into the source code of the HTML, you find out, oh, it's five years old, so probably not that um, actual at the moment. And yeah, so fair point. You just can't do anything with that. Yeah, true. Or you sort of, I guess you would, maybe best case scenario you you read through it and say okay that i think would still make sense that's clearly old i just don't know about that bit yeah yeah but i mean if, if you have a blog post or something like that just write a date onto it hmm, okay make... so you know ah, okay that's that was written in 2012 might not be what i'm looking for at the moment okay um, so yeah i mean in, in the uh, in the PHP manual, there is um, uh, the, the, one of the best things in the PHP manual are the, the user contributions, uh, but they all have a date on them. So you mm. can, when you see something, oh, uh, no, wait a minute, that's 12 years old. So might probably not be what uh, is currently working in uh, PHP 7, might be for PHP 3 or something like that. Yeah, it's so a good you know point. How, you, you know how to, how to tackle that. It might still be valid. Mm. Um, so it, it's it's great that it's there, but it you, you can check whether just by the date whether it's what you're looking for or not. Yeah, this is a fair point. I guess because I guess in other in in other subject areas, information can be more timeless, but for for tech concepts, it can be sort of outdated, you know, proverbially as as it's written. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. That that makes a lot of sense. Um, hmm. So, okay, on, on the point of, you know, again, hashtag asking for a friend. Not really. Yeah. I'll stop saying that. Um, <laughs> so you feel that it would be worthwhile submitting, like, documentation talks to user groups and conferences? Yeah, of course. I mean, okay. submit it to user groups anyway. Uh, every time because user group organizers are desperately looking for people that want to talk. Mm. And um, that's why a lot of... Uh, conference speakers are actually user group organizers because uh, if no one wants to speak at the user group, they have to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of practice. Um, <laughs> uh, no, uh, joke aside. Um, yeah, of course. I, I think it's worthwhile uh, for, for conferences as well. Okay. Because doc- documentation is is a key point um, in, in developing, in, especially when you're developing open source software or software that, that is used by others. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have a decent documentation. 
because that's what what actually sets your product apart from someone else's product. Okay. It's, even if it's software as a service, I mean, um, companies that have a decent description of their API with, with great examples, uh, they, they will attract more people to use it than uh, a company that just says, oh, yeah, we have an API. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, we have a documentation somewhere. Uh, oh, just grab the uh, WSDL file and uh, then you know everything. <laughs> know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, or, okay, this worked a week ago and it's not working now and my code hasn't changed. Yeah. Yeah. Whose fault might that be? Yes. Yeah, they say, oh, you know, your code's broken. No, you can see the timestamp. My code hasn't changed. And that call worked. <laughs> um, yeah, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was... We don't want to name those companies, do we? No, 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 no. <laughs> Just to protect the, the innocent. And Yes, yes. From making a good experience. <laughs> exactly. Oh. <laughs> uh, in the, the, I think like a, a good example was, or why good examples sort of work is is that I think there's that sense of human nature that I'm sorry too hard moving on, and I, I made the case once and at least to this point I hadn't been sort of called out on it was that okay so you have you have company A and company B, yeah. and and one has you know like then both let's just say both have equally good service but one's more expensive than the other one. But the more expensive one has much, much better documentation or has documentation. And we'll say it's accurate and timely and all that stuff. Yeah. I would assume that, assuming that the price point wasn't too extreme for company B, that you they'd probably get more work even though their price is higher because it's just easier to use the service irrespective of where, you know, of, of the skill level of the developer. Of course. I mean, you're, you're a developer, and a uh, developer get costs a company or whatever sixty euros a day, uh, sixty euros an hour. Um, so wasting two hours of time just to to figure out the bad API uh, against half an hour for figuring out the good API that's ninety euros. Hmm. Uh, and ninety euros is or might be uh, much much more than what the expensive API costs you. Yep. So yep. I definitely have a look at that as well. And then actually, I will name a certain um, software package. Oh, no. <laughs> now I actually can't remember it. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> I can describe it broadly. Okay, here was the yeah, situation. <laughs> um, I don't, I, I barely touch Windows as it is. This is not necessarily to critique Windows. I'm just saying I just don't use it. Yeah. I use Linux and Mac. It happens. And um, I had to help my father-in-law one time because he wanted a, um, a a paint program for Windows and he didn't want to spend any money. I'm like, all right, well, that's yeah. fair enough, you know. I'll I'll do my best to help you out. And I just kind of naturally thought, well, GIMP, right? That's the one I thought of. I thought it works on Windows. It's easy enough to, you know, do the basics, you know, select and crop and, and those kinds yeah. of things. Yeah. So I thought, well, look, I, I can install it because I'd install it. I'd used Linux as a desktop for 10 odd years. Yeah. Install it, give them the basics. This is how, you know, new image, etc., etc. Yeah. Anyway, so we get it installed, and I've got all the, the, the docs and mini windows and all the rest of that jazz. Um, yeah, tried to open the help. Didn't work, because for some reason, uh, it needed, um, I think something like LibGTK networking or something. 
Okay. It needed that to open up an HTML help documentation. Oh, great. And I thought, okay, that's a bit weird that I can't open help when I've just installed it. Like, you know, next, 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 go. Yeah. yeah. And so I thought, oh, okay, well, fair enough. I'll do a bit of, I'll go looking for it. And a bit of Googling to find out the, the specific package I needed. And then I came to the GitHub repo and there were no docs. Oh, great. Like there, there, was, there was nothing at all. There was a lot of C files and, and header yeah. files and a make file. And then I thought, okay, so if I was on Linux, I'm, I could take a punt as to, you know, like the, uh, I can't think of the package name, but the, the, the wrapper package that brings in make and C and, and all the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, build tools, there we go. Yeah. And you do that, and in there you could then run configure and all the rest of it. But I'm thinking, I'm on Windows. I have no idea what I'm going to need. And so it was just like, after an, a further hour of Googling, I'm wearing out, and he's seeing the look on my face, and he's like, it's fine. I'll just cough up a bit of money. But yeah. there, there was no documentation at all, not a hint, not a peep. And I thought, yeah, no wonder that it's never really perhaps taken off on Windows at least. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, Linux users are geeks, um, and they they figure out how to um, get around the rough edges. And um, but well, Windows users just want it to work, and if it doesn't work, they just want to restart the computer. And after that, it usually works. So if you can't get that, well, you're lost. True, but then in saying that, it's sort of like, well, why ever make a Windows port of it as well? I, I admit, like, it wasn't a port of the GIMP wasn't the problem necessarily. Yeah, well, because some some geeks are running Windows as well, and um, they they just wanted to have a, a free, um, well, a paid program, and so they said, yeah, well, GIMP sounds good, so. Let's invest hours and hours of time uh, to compile it on Windows. And, well, they never actually looked at the documentation because they didn't need to. Mm. So it never actually happened to, to come up that that would, might be a problem. And, um, well, if you count the hours they invested, it might have been cheaper for them to buy another program that might cost you, I don't know, 40 bucks or something like that. Mm. But, yeah, well... Yeah, that, that, that's again the thing between um, they just have fun doing that and so the time doesn't count Yeah, and um, well it's, it's not their work time and perhaps not eating your own dog food that yeah, probably maybe, yeah maybe <laughs> I was thinking, depending where that conversation was going I was thinking maybe I should try and um, get an in, set up an interview with Richard M. Stallman and th that might be a bit hmm not sure yeah, probably Probably. Why not? That might be an interesting conversation, actually. Yeah. I would definitely like to listen to that. Mm. <laughs> I hear he has quite a, a fierce reputation for um, advocating for open source. Well, I mean, open source is great. Open mm. source is, is brilliant. Um, oh, I'm not against it. Don't get me wrong. No, no, no. no. I, I, I never would have imagined that you would be against. No, no, definitely not. Um but a lot of people uh, out there seem to think, oh, no, open source is bad. Uh, yes, it, it definitely is bad if you want to hide something within your code. Mm, very true. But that's the only thing. Um, and probably, yeah, well, I mean, the documentation might suck. And um, 
the other thing is a lot of people just throw out open source software and then abandon it and uh, rots there and decays and uh, well you never know how current it is is it actually maintained is there someone taking care of that thing true i i i, I guess i shouldn't critique people too harshly i might have done things like that <laughs> possibly oh, no. maybe no you never you never no 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 <laughs> perfect in every way <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> aren't we all <laughs> naturally naturally <laughs> Uh, hey, anyway, we, we're sort of coming around to that that tail end of the um, of, of the time. Yeah. Um, at this stage, um, I, I usually sort of throw it out for if there's anything that you would like to give a plug for, besides perhaps the Frankfurt User Group. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, uh, of course, the Frankfurt User Group when you're around Frankfurt, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, but apart from that, uh, every user group. So, uh, in my opinion, um, if you want to stay on top of everything, if you want to know stuff, just look out for a user group. Um, there is uh, for, for PHP user groups. There's PHP.ug, uh, where you can find your nearest user group. Um, and if if you see that there is no user group near you, that might mean that you're the new user group leader. <laughs> yeah. uh, just to cite Kyle Evans. But it, it's just a great way to, to get into contact with, with other developers. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the best story is uh, actually the story of Raphael Domes. Uh, he moved to Amsterdam from Brazil. He didn't know anyone. And um, he took that as opportunity. Okay, let's start a user group so I get to know other people. And, uh, well, the rest is history. Yeah, um, very think, true. Yeah, I think they have a, a user group with about 100 or 150 regular visitors, which is pretty big um and not all the user groups are that big a user group does not need to have 100 people mm -hmm. uh it's perfectly fine to just have three or four or five people no problem with that mm -hmm. um but that's cool so yes i definitely would uh, do a shameless plug for visit your user group your local user group. okay any other side projects or no, oh, lot, lot, lots of them. Upcoming conference talks? Uh, no, not yet. Okay. Not yet. I'm, I'm, the last year, or this year, actually, uh, has been, I've been abroad for quite some time, and um, I'm not sure I managed to do that for the next year. Okay. So let's see how it turns out. Not a problem. No, 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 definitely not. <laughs> And that's a wrap for this episode. You can find more about anything you've heard in today's episode by going to freethegeek.fm. That's freethegeek.fm. If you've enjoyed the episode, I'd love it if you'd give it a rating on your podcast platform of choice. Alternatively, please leave a comment in the episode discussion. I'd love to know what you think, what you thought was good, what could do with a bit more work, etc., etc. Otherwise... I'll see you next time.